Here's what's coming up on today's show. Do you have a well-thought-out written plan that connects your family values with your resources and ensures you can live the retirement you want to live while leaving the legacy you want to leave? Whether you already have a plan or you're looking to create a plan, you'll want to know some common mistakes you should avoid. Join Mark and I as we talk about seven common mistakes to avoid when you put together your retirement plan. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Let's get started this week here on Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry on the podcast as we're talking about some mistakes to avoid. And as Liz mentioned in the uh, tee up there, seven retirement planning mistakes that plan mistakes that happen on a regular basis. And these are things that Liz has been seeing more when people are coming in to talk with her recently and they've got some plans put together at uh, various places or whatever the case is. And these are some big ticket items we want to certainly address. So as always, make sure that you're talking with a qualified professional about your retirement strategy. And of course, Liz can help you retire on your best path. And you can find her online at bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. Dot com. Liz, how are you? I am good. How are you? Doing pretty good. We are into uh, September, firmly into September at this point. And uh, you and I were just talking that it's about that time for us to start uh, sniffling and sneezing thanks to the pollen <laughs> changes. Uh, so for the next two months, we'll probably be a little little coffee and sneezy, huh? Yeah. Allergies do kick in. Yes, Not as much do. for me as my husband. So okay. he's, yeah. he's dreading it. But, yeah, me too. Um, I'm, I'm right there with him. But we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best to keep the, the mistakes down to a minimum there. And, and on that note, let's talk about some of these mistakes here, these seven ones that you've identified that uh, you're seeing when people come in to sit down with you or get a second opinion or get a review done. Uh, and some big ticket items here, some things that they're just not being, I think, thought out from a uh, looking forward right. standpoint, right? So let's start with the first one, for example, low inflation numbers. Uh, inflation's always going to be with us, but certainly keeping them, you know, correct has got to be important. Yes. And, and it's more top of mind these days since we've had such high inflation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when inflation was so low, uh, people didn't think about it as much. But a lot of the plans that I see other services are preparing for people that are coming in and saying, I need a second opinion. I'd like you to look at this. A lot of those have in the range of two to two and a half percent inflation for long-term inflation. And while that may be true overall for the nation over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, right. retiree inflation is higher. And that's something that retirees need to really understand that their inflation could be higher than the average CPI. The Senior Citizen League did a study in 2018 that looked at retiree spending from 2000 to 2018. Mm -hmm. And in that period of time, the retiree inflation was 3.8%. If the regular, as I say, versus what, 2.5? Versus, you know, two and a half average is what what we would have been assuming for the overall overall nation. But if we looked at that, said somebody had $100,000 expense need at mm-hmm. the beginning of retirement and they're going to live for 30 years. Well, if that 100,000 is increasing at 2.5%, 2.51%, then 
they would have $4,397,000 total spending. If it increases at 3.8%, then they're going to have $5,424,000 total spending. That's a million and 27,000 more dollars that is spent on that same starting budget because of that higher inflation. So it's really important to test for the higher inflation and make sure that you're going to be set to cover that spending, whatever that is yeah. for you. Yeah. And think about that with it being slightly higher. That was back then. Uh, right. You know, who knows how that was affected with all the higher inflation we've been dealing with now. So certainly want to make sure that you're taking it into account. Inflation's like calories, right? We know it's there. We don't always like to pay attention to it, but if we don't watch it, yeah. they'll, they'll get out of control. Uh, all right. Number two, bad longevity numbers. Yeah. I see a lot of plans that are run to age 90. Okay. And that certainly seems like a very long time. And when you look at the statistics, the current statistics, there's a small chance that people are going to be living at age 90 or 92. Uh, when you look at a couple, there's a much bigger chance as a couple that one or the other will be. But it still is, you know, it seems like it's a very, very far time out. Sure, and and yeah. running to 90 or 92 seems long enough. But what is going to happen if you do live five years more, one year more, 10 years more, you know, whatever beyond that point in time, do you know how the plan is going to support you or if it will support you? I had a plan that was brought in that had roughly a million at age 90 and I recreated that plan and then ran it out to age 100 and it ran out of money based on the spending and the assets that they had because they were using more and more of the principal. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that to happen. You want to know that that's not going to happen. A lot of times people will say to me, I don't want to live that long. Right. And <laughs> I laugh and I say, one of my favorite quotes is George Burns said, you know who wants to live to age 100? The guy who's 99. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you got to know that you can cover all the way. And then if you don't live that long, great. You're, you're still covered. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. I mean, I'm firmly in that camp where I, I'm not sure if I want to live that long either. Right. We, I think we all feel like yeah. that complex uh, or, and the context, excuse me, of saying, well, I guess if I'm still mobile and, you know, and I can do certain yeah. things for myself, great. Right. So I, I think it's just how we tend to view it, but you're right. If we don't account for it financially, uh, and have some longevity built in there, and even maybe a little bit more than we might think we need, then we could yes. be doing ourselves a disservice. Okay. Uh, no big ticket items. What's this? Yeah, this I see a lot, really. And and I think it's because when we're thinking about spending, we're really thinking about the things that are going on right then, that year. But a okay. lot of plans yeah, don't saying. build in those things that get purchased just every once in a while. When right, are you going to yeah. buy another we're, car? We're factoring in like the, the daily, what's it take me to just yes. live normally? Yeah. Right. And a lot of plans don't have, uh, you know, stuff happens. Stuff just comes up. <laughs> what if you do need to spend your deductible more than one year in a row even? What if yeah. you, uh, you know, what if you do need to buy cars? Uh, what What are those things? And since money has to come from somewhere when you're retired, you need to estimate conservatively, try to think through all of the different things that could come up mm -hmm. and, and build them in, uh, even if they're not something that you're currently spending on in the current year. The stuff I happens. like to put I a plan together. Yeah, exactly. I like to put a plan together with a baseline spending, those mm -hmm. things that you are currently spending on, then add in all the big ticket stuff, 
automobiles and gifting and add some money for stuff happens, add in, build in those kind of things, and then go back and increase the early year spending to say, well, how much more could you spend in those early years and still be safe all the way through to uh, the end? Do that stress testing. And that way people know what they can what room they have for doing other things that yeah. they would like to do traveling extra. Yeah. Do the big ticket. Things items. like that. Call it the, uh, call it the Murphy's law bucket, right? So stuff's going to yeah. happen. Murphy's law yes. is going to show up and, <laughs> and wreak havoc sometimes uh, once in a while. All right. So that was no big ticket items uh, being, you know, failing to take that into account was number three. Number four, not adjusting properly for taxes. And, and clearly that's going to be an ongoing worry, you know, moving forward with the, you know, a $32 trillion deficit. Right. Here, what I was really thinking about was looking at plans that have been put together that don't have the tax calculation in. And I've seen more than one of these. I've seen uh, where people had employee benefits like stock options, restricted stock units, things like that. Oh, okay. And the tax on the vesting wasn't built into the amount of money they would get. So it just assumed they were going to get the full amount or a business is going to be sold. Well, there's tax going to be, you know, you're going to pay tax on the sale of that business. And Mm -hmm. what is that tax? And in what states do you have to pay that tax? And that needs to be built into the plan because that's money that is going to go out the door. Sometimes I've even seen assets that are in the wrong tax category. So they're not really being treated right. It just gets entered into the whatever the program is incorrectly. And so there's not the correct tax on those assets that can overstate the cash flow uh, from any of those sources by as much as 30%. Wow. You know, so if we had RSUs vesting in, I'm just thinking of a few examples, say 650,000 of RSUs are vesting and you're going to pay tax uh, at 28%. So that's 182,000. If it's not taken out of the plan as tax paid, that 182,000 grows with interest, even though it's not really in the plan. And in one plan I was looking at, that was an extra 300,000 roughly at at retirement that wasn't really going to be there. And so it overstated what they were going to have at retirement and obviously needed to be corrected because that gives a false positive on how the plan's going to work. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So maybe, okay. So I was thinking, you know, like the big tax picture, uh, right. but you were talking about like looking at some of these other uh, more smaller details that can certainly add up. So that's a great point. So yes. thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So good stuff here. So let's continue on. Number five, double counting our assets. Yeah. And I do see this as well. Uh, and, and part of it is maybe not really understanding how the software works. Okay. You enter something either as an asset or as income. And usually you don't enter it as both. Now, there are, there are sometimes that you would. For example, if you have a rental, you would enter the rental asset and enter the rental income coming off of that asset. The plan never spends down real estate yeah, because you can't spend a piece of real estate. You either have to sell the whole thing or keep the whole thing. Right. And so you can enter the rental and the income as two different things and the plan will handle it properly. But let's say you have a stock that has a dividend. You don't enter the stock and the dividend. The plan will assume that the stock has a dividend. It will know 
to give the dividends. You don't enter that twice. If somebody has some sort of an annuity or a 403B, you know, TSA annuity, whatever type of annuity they might have, you don't enter an annuity value plus annuity income because uh, that's, again, double counting those funds. It's making the plan think that you have a stream of income plus this assets that's creating the income. And it's really, you just have the asset creating the income. So you enter it in once, not mm, twice. Gotcha. Okay. Any do's and don'ts there? Well, I think it's important to understand the way the software works and get the assets or income entered in in the right category. So it's going to model the retirement plan the way that it should model the retirement plan. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of us, that's probably, you know, we're assuming that our professionals doing that correctly for us, right? So we're assuming, yeah. we're like, you know, yeah, we're, we're, yes, absolutely. And I have, I have seen a lot of plans where there were these little mistakes and they do make a big difference. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if it's just whoever they're working with to put that plan together doesn't have that much experience yet or mm. doesn't really understand how the software works behind the scenes in depth. I don't know, but, you know, it is important to make sure that whoever you're working with has a really good understanding of what's being modeled because you can put numbers into anything and it's going right. to kick a bunch of stuff out and it may look good, but if it's not really modeling reality, then you're relying on uh, something that's not very factual. So that's a great point. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. Okay. Well, good stuff. So let's continue on here. Number six, inappropriate risk. Uh, what are we talking about in this category? Yes. And you and I have talked about this a lot of times over uh, the podcast that we've done. Mm -hmm. When you reach retirement, you want to you know, make sure that your risk is lined up with retirement, with the risk that you want to have in retirement. And the traditional pie chart investing doesn't work for a retiree because it doesn't show you how your investments are going to line up with the needs and goals that you have. So you want to have a bucket plan. You want to know how your assets are lining up with those needs in retirement. But then you also want the plan itself to project at that level of risk and return. And a lot of times I'll see plans that are projecting at what would have been the level of risk the person had in retirement and projecting at a much higher level of risk that you're actually going to take may provide a false confidence because the program's going to use a higher average return, but the program is, you know, also going to um, give you a wider range of values at the end because there's going to be this wider range of volatility. And what we want to do is really have the plan projecting how you're going to be invested. So you know that your investment plan is supporting your retirement income plan and that it is working for you in the way that you want. And it's going to have the risk that you're comfortable with. You want to know that those things are all working together. Yeah. And certainly we want to have that taken into account for both people, right? We got to have the risk yes. levels correct for both folks so that they're absolutely equal, that's a good point yeah all right and then finally no simple plain english explanations yes you know i had a couple that came in and brought a big thick plan that they had gotten and said you know we we brought this because we have this big thick plan <laughs> and it looks really good but we don't really know what it means and yeah. our guy says we're going to be okay but we can't 
tell. We're looking at this and we don't even know if that's true. We don't know what all these pages are telling us. And, right. you know, we can't follow all the numbers here. They got a copy well, of War and Peace and didn't really need that much, right? Yeah. And if you don't understand your plan, how can you really know that it's going to work? Exactly. How can you know what your options are? How can you know what choices you should make? Mm-hmm. You know, the worst thing I think is not understanding the plan. You gain clarity and confidence when you understand your plan. And that's what you deserve. You deserve to have that clarity and confidence going into retirement so that you can enjoy retirement. You don't want retirement to be this time of stressing about, you know, am I doing the right things? You want to know, this is my plan. This is going to work. I have that clarity and confidence that things are lined up and then you can enjoy retirement. Yeah. I mean, basically a lot of times you'll hear advisors say, once you've got your plan in place and it's been explained to you and you're on the same page and everything, if you can't turn around and have a conversation with another person who is not in that industry and just chatting about it and talk through it yourself, then you don't understand it, right? And if you don't understand it, how are you truly going to implement it and and work with that plan and to get you to, you know, where you want to be? So yeah, understanding and keeping it, there's nothing wrong with the KISS method, right? Keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. And and the advisor, a good advisor can put together a very complex and then talk through it in a way that everybody in the room can understand. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't That's mean just you're talking. like a good teacher yeah, can exactly. do that. A good yeah. teacher can take, you know, complex physics and bring it down to the level that you can say, oh, I finally get that. Yeah. doesn't mean that they're talking down to you or that you're done, too right. dumb to get it. It's just not your thing. It's not your wheelhouse. So, you know, if you don't spend a lot of time in this world, which many of us don't, which is why we turn to a financial professional, then you want to be able to have something that you can understand, that's simple to implement, uh, and that you can follow and adhere to so that you can retire on your best path, right? That's the whole And I, I completely agree with the thing that you said, not talking down to, because right. that that is very true. A good advisor is not talking down to, they are just using plain English mm-hmm. to explain the plan. And we can all talk in plain English. We don't have to use these jargon words. You know, and sometimes advisors use jargon, like any industry, right? Sometimes jargon happens, maybe not because they're trying to sound smart. It's just because it's a habit, right? I mean, you know, it could be a habit because we all, you start doing the shortcut, right? The short lingo, everybody does that at their job. Uh, But eventually, right, especially with doctors or financial professionals, uh, you know, to your point, a good one's going to realize, okay, I don't want to overdo that. So let's keep it in a, you know, in a moderate conversation kind of way and talk through it so that everybody is on the same page. And again, that's what's going to help you get to and through retirement on your best path. And On so, your best path. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully... We are here to help people be on their best path. That's what we're here for. Exactly. Well, hopefully these seven retirement plan mistakes that you've highlighted, Liz, will do just that. We'll help uh, folks think about some of these things. And if you need help, well, then get onto the calendar, have a conversation with Liz, because again, she is here to help you with uh, getting on your best path. And that's the name of the show as well as her website. So it's Retire on Your Best Path. That's where you can find us on uh, Apple and Google and Spotify. Just type in Retire on Your Best Path into the search box of those apps, or you can just stop by her website, bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us, check out the tools, tips, and resources there, and reach out to Liz if you need some help. And Liz, thanks for your time as always and hanging out with me. I always appreciate it. I hope you have a lovely week. You too. It was a good conversation. Thank you, Mark. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for highlighting some good content. And we will see you next time here on the podcast to retire on your best path with Liz Quitterberry. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. 
Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable, however their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.